There's so many things that you cannot control right now, but control what you can control. We can't control what's going on with vaccinations. We can't control being made redundant from jobs. We can't even control being hired at a new at a new place. But what we can control is how we feed ourselves and how we show up to something. Feeding ourselves has a direct knock-on effect to our energy, to our desire to exercise, to our ability to sleep better. All of the things that will make us show up in our best self. And this is the Job Hunting Podcast, where I interview experts and professionals and discuss issues that are important for job hunters and those who are working to advance their careers. So make sure that you subscribe and follow, and let's dive right in. It's been a while since we had an interview here at the Job Hunting Podcast, so I was super excited when Michelle Chevalier-Hedge had time to do a chat with me and record this episode. Michelle is a nutritional medicine practitioner, but before that, she worked for Microsoft as a corporate executive. It was her love of food that was the seed that enabled her to eventually do a 180 degree change in her career, go back to study with three kids and all, and become a well-known author of three books, an international speaker, and a practitioner who helps thousands of people reconnect with their food, and she helps you make tweaks that will make your nutrition much better and enable you to have a better life. Because Michelle was previously a marketing manager, she truly understands the needs of time-poor corporate executives who want health but don't want the hassle. That's why she's so popular here in Australia and also overseas and works with all of Australia's major banks and corporations like Apple, Dropbox, Women in Focus with the CBA, that's how we met, Acor, Westfield, and so on. There's like so many organizations that I can think of. She's the keynote speaker for the Heads of School of Australia and Positive Schools Conference in Hong Kong and consults for hundreds of international corporations. She's also an ambassador for Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution and was the ambassador for the launch of That Sugar Film. If you haven't watched it yet, it's a great film and you can watch it on Netflix. She's a, an ambassador for the Nature Care College, for Q Cancer and the Heart Research Institute here in Australia. One of the highlights of her speaking career was when she sat alongside a Dalai Lama at a panel at a conference and presented on her work in vitality, energy and serotonin. Michelle loves to write and she has written three great books. One of them is a number one bestseller, The Healthy Hormone Diet. She has a new book that has just come out and I'll put the links to all of her books to her website and her handles on social media in the episode show notes. So you can go to the episode show notes or you can go to, to the podcast uh, website. It's renatabenadi.com forward slash podcast and you will find the information on this episode show notes. This episode is number 85. 
So without further ado, please listen to the wonderful Michelle and her amazing energy. And she's so passionate about food and nutrition. And we have focused in this episode in talking about how it can help job hunters, people that have lost their jobs, people that are going through career transition, how they can remain healthy and focused using food and nutrition. We start talking a little bit at first about our lives as migrants in Australia that are unable to visit our family overseas. And then I, you know, go on and ask Michelle a lot about her career transition. And finally, we deep dive into nutrition. So I hope you enjoy this chat. Remember, if you haven't yet subscribed to the Job Hunting Podcast, do that now. I will wait. Go click that button and subscribe. Also, Remember to check the episode show notes and sign up for the newsletter because you will never miss an episode and I will send you extra content in the newsletter as well. Hello. Hi. How are you? I am great. Excellent. Oh, I love your backdrop. Thank you. It's it's my home office and I um I love working from here, but frankly, life has changed so much. Yeah. Absolutely. So much. Oh, so much, particularly for, particularly for people who have families overseas. <laughs> I know. I was about to ask you, how is your family? Yeah, they're all good, but it's just, it's so interesting. Renata. I just got off the phone with a whole bunch of my American family in New York and they just have no concept of why we have our borders closed and they can't understand the fact that I can't go to visit them. I can and I will, but it's with an enormous amount of effort, enormous amount of money, and then also um, going into quarantine when I reach return home, which I will do all of that. But, but Americans just are like, what, what is going on with you Australians? So it's, it's a really funny world, right? Really funny world. And it, you probably have noticed as well that the way that we have managed is so different from their way. I have family in America. I have family in Brazil. They can travel without any quarantining. It's just I, I know. really strange. And for them, this concept of being locked in, now you're saying you can go, you do have to apply. Yes. And I don't know, maybe it's because I'm from Brazil, which is in a very uh, dire situation. But I have friends who have applied and have been denied, Michelle. Yes. So, yeah. No. So wow. you either have to go for three months and you have to have a stat deck to say that you're going for three months and that's for family reasons and you have to submit lots of paperwork mm-hmm. or you can say you're going for business and go for two weeks. But yeah, it's, it's very dependent, I guess, on the person yeah. who application so really hard and and, you know I I just hope everybody from your family is doing well and they're healthy and yes and your family yeah okay yeah my my immediate family is fine and now most of them have been vaccinated the older ones yeah but it's always it's tough and they have lost friends and family so it's tough for them I, I think because they've been in lockdown they haven't yet grieved because they have they're missing everybody so once they start their old life yeah they're missing everybody but once they start going out again that's when they will realize oh that person passed away you know what I mean it's also sad yeah so it is it is tough and Australia is definitely a bubble our 
domestic economy is so amazing you know i'm just so surprised like you cannot buy a house in this country <laughs> they go the, the banners go up and they sell before auction porsche is telling they have never sold as many cars in this country as now like it's amazing yeah. we're ma it is, absolutely it's such a is the word irony dichotomy mm. of what is going on in the world there's just yeah. So Renata, just give me a bit of a summary as I, I mean, I can talk underwater about nutrition, <laughs> health and well-being. So just give me a short elevator pitch, which I know I've already read, but I just yeah. like you to say it in your language to me on who I'm speaking to today. You are speaking to job hunters and professionals in the corporate sector, which I know is your thing and you have, you know, a great presence in that community. And the podcast is called the job hunting podcast. And the people that listen to that podcast are usually mid to senior executives. And we have some, you know, up and coming rising stars in their late 20s, early 30s. But I find that most of the people that reach out to me that have listened to the podcast are in their 40s and 50s. And they're from all over the world. Most of my listeners are from America. So they will be really happy to hear your accent. <laughs> So it's about 40% Americans, 40% Australians, and then the 20% is really spread over, you know, 48 other countries. We have had in, in the episodes guests from a wide range of professions. So I like to interview other coaches and other uh, recruiters and headhunters, but I also like to get naturopaths and you, I don't haven't had somebody like you before, but people that can come in and, and give that more holistic view of what it actually means to be in a race, to be in a competition that's stressful, that is more a marathon than a sprint. That means you have to manage your your well-being, you know, during a time of stress, if you are in between jobs, if you're unemployed. It's, it can be very stressful. And also for those who are currently working, but are thinking about moving to a different job, that's an added stress from wanting to leave to starting something new. I find that personally, my, t my IBS plays up when, yeah. whenever I am stressed, right? Of course. Yeah. So I thought, well, you know, Michelle has been such a great supporter of the Women in Focus program, which we're both yeah. uh, alumni of. And, you know, it'd be great to hear what you can say to help those professionals that are stressed at the moment and they, or about to go into a very stressful situation if they decide to leave their jobs or are yeah. made redundant. Mm. Sure, sure. But I like to always start with, you know, your career. So, Tell us how you ended up doing what you do. How did you make that decision and what makes you great at it? What are, what are your top strengths? Um, okay, so what? why did I originally become a nutritional medicine practitioner? So I had a, I came to Australia in 1990 uh, thinking I was coming for 24 hours. I was a speaker at a conference and I fell in love with a man in a country and I returned and I was, had the very good fortune to work for Microsoft in a very specialized area of education. And I loved my career at Microsoft. And in fact, 
My career at Microsoft has given me much more empathy to be speaking to people who are sitting in corporate shoes. Um, you know, I wish that there were many times that I was working at Microsoft that someone had given me tips on health without hassle. So my current role as speaking to corporates and doing corporate wellness or speaking to people who are about to re-enter the workforce or transitioning into new careers is quite easy for me because I sat in that corporate wellness space for many years. And then after I had my babies, I decided I really wanted to do something that really made me feel very purposeful. And I'd always wanted to become a GP, but I also had a mad love of food. I come from a big Italian family. So my mother's maiden name is Ciccarello and my father is French. So food is our world. And um, so I thought I would start to study medicine and I took a nutritional medicine class and it was the, at that very first class that I thought, wow, this is the way that future will eventually be in terms of preventative well-being. And I love that concept of using food to be that preventative step in our life to protect us from cognitive dysfunction, from metabolic dysfunction, um, from just vibrancy and zestiness of life. And um, we certainly have seen that during COVID um, and the research that will be coming out of COVID, the, re- the, the winner of COVID is going to be well-being yeah. and because there'll be a lot of money spent on people's mental, emotional, physical well-being and what we can do for prevention rather than being in reactive mode. Yeah. So, um, so yes, yeah, so I went on and I, I became a nutritional medicine practitioner and then a, uh, a speaker, an uh, international speaker. And then I wrote a few books. I wrote, written three books, Beating Sugar Addictions for Dummies was my first book. My second book, which I love, is called The Healthy Hormone Diet. And that's about a lot of things that we can talk about today, which I think will really resonate with some of the people on here. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people will come to us and they'll be so beating themselves up about what's going on with their health when they don't actually realize it could be their hormones that are wreaking havoc. It's not their decisions. It's not a consequence. Their health often isn't a consequence of necessarily what they're doing, but what their hormones are doing and how we can tweak them nutritionally and make them feel a whole lot better. So talking insulin, cortisol, thyroid. So we'll, we'll come back to all of those things. Serotonin. Oh, I have so many questions for you. But before we move into the nutritional questions, I want to ask you about your career transition. Because when you speak like that, I'm aware that some of my listeners may think it was very smooth. But was it hard for you to give up on your corporate career and then move into how did you make that work during those transitional years? When did you have to, you know, study and make some sort of financial adjustments to make it work? Absolutely both. And financially and the time when I think about it, because I still want to go on for my PhD or even become a medical doctor. I'm not sure which one I will do. I've just finished my another degree in positive psychology. But any kind of study, I think, really taxes your family. You know, it taxes your free time. And even when you're not actually engaged in the study itself, you're thinking about the study and the assessments you have to do. So you have to, I feel, you have to be um, very passionate about that topic. 
Um, and for me, going into medicine um, and studying bio- biology and organic chemistry and all those things was very difficult. And I had three young children, but I felt very, very passionate. I always felt very passionate about medicine. I always felt very passionate about food. So for me, it was where I probably always belonged. Mm-hmm. I, I happened to get very lucky at university and um, I did a double degree. I came from a family that didn't have much money. And so I did a double degree in a very high profile university in America. And then they paid for a fellowship for my master's. So that that transition that happened with my career happened to be a lot of grit and happened to be a lot of luck because then I landed with Microsoft, which was just Microsoft in its early days. But in my heart of hearts, whilst I loved and was very grateful for my career, my heart of hearts, it wasn't my passion. Yeah. And so um, going on to study, even though it was difficult with three young children, oh, it was so difficult. And I was, I was failing some some classes and I had never failed classes before you know I'd always been a good student but it also was a very humbling experience and wonderful for motherhood to to know that you can fail things so you know my kids always laugh when they turn up with you know difficult assessments or or poor poor grades and they'd go mom remember when you were doing biochem and you failed so that that was wonderful but I I really encourage anybody, if it's in your heart, if it's deeply in your heart, then why not pursue it? When there's a will, there's a way. And I'm so grateful. I I love what I do now. I would do what I do now for the rest of my life for free. Thank thank goodness I do get paid for it. But there there will come a time when I have paid off all of my debts and my website and all it takes to run a business where I do all of my speaking engagements at schools for free. There's no doubt about that. Oh, lovely. And, you know, I think that the example of your life and what you've decided to do is a great example of how to sign up for additional professional development and study. It's when it is that meaningful, important career transition, whereas many professionals just think they need to do it, you know, like, oh, what I really need is an MBA or You know Mm. what I mean? It's a very different mindset that I like people to recognize the difference. And I think your example really is the best example we've had in this podcast of why you would sign up for such an an amazing amount of study time. It's because it's not only a big career change, but also one that you feel very passionate about. And that's the easiest way to do it. And even though I say easy, it was bloody hard, right? So imagine if you're not passionate, if you're spending a whole lot of money to do something that you you don't even know if it's going to work for you. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more on that topic because I see lots of colleagues inside the corporate spaces that I speak, as well as just amongst my own friends, ticking boxes to get additional degrees. And what I see happening with that is whilst they may have ticked the box and gotten the degree or the diploma, if you're not passionate about it and you're not feeling purposeful about it, you're not going to be as effective as you can be. Mm. So I say, you know, spend the time, all of it, we're all time for spend the time investing in something that you know really sings to your heart. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now let's talk about the things that sing 
the thing to your heart. I love everything you said. And, you know, you, you had me at sugar and then you had me again at hormones. <laughs> You're talking to somebody who is obsessed with sugar. I'm trying really hard to eat less and less. And I have made big improvements over the years. And I'm also menopausal, right? So I love both topics. Why don't we talk about this explanation from you about sugar and what it does to your body that is detrimental to you working with high performance? Oh, fantastic. I love to, I could talk about this topic forever. So um, let's talk about evidence-based truths. I think it's very important as an author, a writer, a speaker, that um, that you know when I'm talking about this, that it's from an evidence base because there's a lot of white witchcraft in the area of nutrition, right? So let, let's talk about high-performance individuals on sugar, but let's just talk about all individuals on sugar. So let's start with the World Health Organization talks about for maximum, for optimal health, optimal well-being, mental, physical, and emotional, the average person should be having maximum six teaspoons of sugar a day. But the average Australian is having anywhere between 30 to 45, even people that are healthy. And the reason for that is because there's lots of healthy looking things that are full of hidden sugars. So for example, I'm just going to throw out something to you. In a chai tea, right? Sounds healthy. How many teaspoons of sugar do you think might be in a, like a Starbucks or a, or a cafe bought chai tea? Just give me an idea of what you think. Oh, no, I don't want to know. <laughs> Two? Two teaspoons? About, about 10. <gasps> no! <laughs> we were looking, yeah. So, okay, let me just give you another example, right? So some of these healthy looking muesli bars that say gluten-free, buy me. I'm organic. I'm going to make you look skinny and shiny. How, in, in just the average muesli bar, what do you think might be like lurking in that? How well, I'm going to go for more now just because you're scaring me. Four? Usually about six. Six. Right? Okay. So we've got lots of things, um, not just worldwide. It's global. It's not, it's not just an Australian or American issue. Globally, we have lots of products with hidden sugars in them. So, so for example, just a banana muffin and a vitamin water might give you 15 teaspoons of sugar a day, uh, you know, in that one little hit, you know, and people are thinking, Hey, that's healthy. Or let's say a muesli bar with a chai tea. So just that alone might give you 16 teaspoons of sugar. So what happens is your blood sugar rises, blood sugar falls, blood sugar rises, blood sugar falls right? And it's the spiky bits on the top bits that lead to the inflammation that's created in your body. So that's number one, sugar is creating inflammation. So, but it's not just the inflammation, the same way your blood sugar is going up and down is often similar to the path that your moods will take. Not only your moods will take, because when you're coming down on that, off that sugar high, when you're going to the bottom of that dip, it's often where brain fog sets in. It's often where exhaustion sets in. It's often where the thought goes, I'm so hungry, I can't think, I'm gonna bang on the vending machine and hope a piece of chocolate comes out. 
I know this because that used to be me. So when some people's blood sugar is dipping, right, because they've been up really high, the same amount of height will be the same amount of dip on the other side. When people's blood sugar are dipping, all sorts of things are happening to them, but they are not zesty. They are not vibrant. They are not doing their best strategic thinking or creative thinking or just this their ability to communicate effectively, which is what everybody who is listening to this podcast wants. If you are looking for a new job, are you looking at transitioning, or you're just looking at being your best self? You want to be all of those things because well-being is not about the number on the scale. That is just a number of gravity. I want you for true well-being to be zesty, sparky, vibrant, cognitive thinkers, strategic thinkers, to be able to communicate with your families at six o'clock at night, the people that really matter after you've been your productive self during the day. Okay. So that's my little bit of rant, but let's just go back to sugar. So let me just give you the sugar 101. Okay. Okay. So so that just gives you a little bit of a a dip into it, but sugar really, um, these are what I call sugar truths. The first one that I think is the most important. When we take sugar into our gut, it creates this, what we call dysbiosis, or the gut bacteria goes, hey, this is a party from all the bad gut bacteria. So what happens in our gut is we all of a sudden have some things like, oh, why am I burping? Why am I farting? Why am I bloated? Why do I have IBS-like symptoms? Why do I wake up with a flat tummy and all of a sudden have a puffy tummy? It could be as a result of excess sugar, right? So we get lots of this dysbiosis in the gut. I won't get into the biochemistry of it. I'm going to just feed this to you in layman's terms. So now here you are with this upset gut. The doctor says to you, hey, sorry, I can't really help you because I can't give you a full medical diagnosis, but, you know, I'm I'm sorry, take take these pills. Mm -hmm. When... And when, when the reality is you really just need to come off sugar and stop that whole IBS vicious cycle that's going on. But that is, if that's not enough to scare you, this is what sh- should scare you. When you've got this type of dysbiosis in your gut or you've got IBS-like symptoms, think about this. Serotonin, your happy hormone, is made in your healthy gut. Mm-hmm. When your gut is compromised... When your gut is compromised, we are, we are limiting the amount of serotonin that is created. The very thing that we get a prescription drug for, for anxiety and depression, we create in our gut. If we are eating a diet full of hidden sugars, processed foods, trans fats, we are not giving our ability to maximize the amount of serotonin created in our body. And that is one of the biggest key findings in the world under nutritional psychiatry over the last six years. And that research has come out of Deakin University and a randomized control trial called the SMILES trial, which wow. talks about food and its connection to anxiety and depression. And if you could all see me right now, even though I've said that a million times, I still get chicken skin when I talk about it because I think, how powerful is that? Let's clean up our diets. Yes. Give ourselves the opportunity for greater mental well-being. 
And that greater well, mental well-being has a direct knock-on effect to our physical well-being. Boom. Yeah. Now, I when I look back in my corporate life and the bad decisions I made with my diet because I was so busy, it just makes no sense. But it's also not easy to make good decisions when you are so overwhelmed at work. Today, I think, oh, I'm very busy, but at least I have my own business and I'm working from home and it's easier for me to put, you know, healthy food together. When you're on the run, it's so much harder. I remember being coming back from my job in the city at maybe 9, 9.30, 10 p.m. at night. And before hopping on a train, Michelle, you're going to die. I used to go to the vending machine and that was my dinner. My dinner would be a bag of chips a chocolate bar and a, a diet soft drink of some sort or a Gatorade or something. And I would choose, look how stupid, I would choose the the, the healthiest version of the bag of chips. <laughs> yes, but, but there was something subtle going on there in the back of your mind. I knew it was them, but I knew I was exhausted. I was so hungry. I was so tired. And I remember being in the corporate sector and having that. I think that covid because so many people are now working from home, will allow us to have more time to prepare meals. And there are better options now than, you know, this was maybe six, seven years ago. Yeah. But I also remember going to my GP and saying, I want you to give me a referral to see a psychologist because I feel so unwell and I'm so unhappy and there's something wrong with me. And she looked at me and bless her heart. She said, let's do some blood tests and a full checkup because you actually look sick right and it was she was absolutely right I was you know people found out that I was allergic to to gluten I'm not celiac but I have an intolerance to gluten probably a bit of lactose intolerance and all sorts of things and that's when I became much more aware of what I eat and that link between the brain and the tummy because once I changed my diet all of a sudden, I wasn't happy anymore. And I'm not, I'm naturally a positive person. So my dial, you've done positive psychology. I'm dialed to be always, you know, happy. And so That's for it. me to be in that stage meant that I knew that there was something wrong and I needed to, to seek help. So I, I think that when you are all of a sudden overcome with grief, which happens when you're made redundant, when you're terminated from a job, it's really hard to make those choices for your diet and for yourself. What would you recommend people do when they are grieving the loss of a job? Yeah, I think that that's excellent. Um, I love I love everything that you just said. And, um, and I'm not sitting in an ivory tower because I was that person too when I was working at Microsoft. So if you've read any of my books, particularly my current one, Eat, Drink and Still Shrink, I, I talk about having three different dress sizes, um, moods that were all over the place, and a life of just absolute chaos. So I thought I was, you know, ticking goals, climbing the corporate ladder, and my moods, my my brain function, my sleep um, was all over the place. So I can very much empathize with that, and I love the fact that you've gone through what I call nutritional transformation because it is so powerful. 
And um, before I talk about the grief, I'll just say one comment that um, Peter Joseph, he's the head of Black Dog. He's the founder of Black Dog. He's gone through many of my low sugar lifestyle programs. He's read many of my books. He's done lots of things with a healthy view. And he said to me one day, Michelle, do you know how transformative, how amazing your program has been for people with mental health and, and for my own family and my own personal journey? He said, it's extraordinary. And I said, Peter, I know. And he said, you really know? And I said, Peter, I know because that was me. And now we have a hundred clients a week that go through the same journey and it can start in a very dark spot and you come out just because of food. Wow. That's powerful. So with that said, I want to say firstly to anybody who is going through COVID and having a really tough time, it is a tough time for sure. But I would like you to think about this and take a deep breath and maybe even close your eyes when I say this. There's so many things that you cannot control right now, but control what you can control. We can't control what's going on with vaccinations. We can't control being made redundant from jobs. We can't even control being hired at a new, at a new place. But what we can control is how we feed ourselves and how we show up to something. Feeding ourselves has a direct knock-on effect to our energy, to our desire to exercise, to our ability to sleep better. All of the things that will make us show up in our best self. And that's really, anybody who's listening to this, that's really the reason why you're here is so that how you can transition to that next new journey of your life. And even, even it's just, it doesn't have to be big steps. In fact, I don't encourage anybody to create a big step. I, I encourage you to do all these things, all these tidbits to be really small so that they are not painful, that they are easy tasty and doable for you because when things are easy, tasty, or doable, you're going to repeat it the next day and you're going to go, Oh, that wasn't so bad. I'm going to repeat it again. And then all of a sudden a week goes by and you're going, Hey, I'm kind of doing this healthy thing. I keep going. And then the next week you're doing it again. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, wait a minute, people like everybody's getting, everybody on the road today is really nice. Nobody on the road is really nice. You're just nicer to yourself. So all of a sudden, this whole self-like thing happens. All of a sudden, you're thinking clearer. You're feeling more zesty. You're a bit more vibrant. So whatever steps, and I'm going to talk about specific steps in a moment, take them slow and tiny, right? Really, really, really important. But I I would encourage all of you to think of nutrition and food as something we we can control and do it slowly because it has a knock-on effect to everything. Mm. Excellent. You know, I took a leap of faith and because even though I haven't studied anything, I see myself as an expert in coffee. Fantastic. I am Brazilian, right? So, of course, love that. I am Brazilian, and I recorded a, a, an episode about 
caffeine intake and performing at job interviews because it's a double-edged sword. It can help you or it can really be unhelpful if you take too much of it, if you take it at the wrong time. And interview preparation is something that I take very seriously. I ask my clients to do a lot of work because it can really push you towards actually getting the job and people um, sometimes don't know how to prepare for interview. And the caffeine management is something that I can I can talk with experience and knowledge about to, to make sure that I help my clients uh, during that time. And even if they are in transition and even if they want to make sure that they wake up and they are ready and they feel that they can perform, that can sit down and do the work that they need to do to find their next job. I also find that caffeine can help, but I'd love to hear from you, well, your take on caffeine, but also your take on the foods that will make you perform better, you know, the the tips that you want to give, because I, what I have said to my clients when they do consultations with me for interview preparation, for example, is, well, if you're anything like me, you will want to reach for carbs. Now, avoid carbs like the plague because you're going into an interview And I'm just worried that if you eat too much cookies or ice cream or anything like that, that may soothe you because you're so anxious, but that will not help you perform better at the interview. Am I right in saying that? Oh, absolutely. But we're going to define good carbs and bad carbs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those are the bad ones. Let me just say, (laughs) I love the fact that you love coffee because I love coffee as well. In fact, I'll never forget, I think it was on the Today Show, and um, the, the, the person who was interviewing me said, and here we have Michelle Chevalier Hedge. She is the nutritionist that loves a bit of coffee and wine. And there were other <laughs> nutritionists that I knew that were watching, and I thought, oh, no. And then I think, you know what? I'm going to own that space. It's okay yes. to have a bit of coffee and wine. Particularly, again, to the audience that I'm speaking to. So let's just talk about coffee for a quick second. So the thing about coffee is you're right. For some people, they'll metabolize it quite quickly and it won't affect them. For other people, it'll just wind them up like a knot and it will definitely not be good for showing up as your best self in a calm, grounded, communicative sense. So what I say to most people is two cups of coffee a day are fine before midday and preferably not together. So, you know, let's say you have one coffee in the morning and then you might have another one, let's say at 11 o'clock. That should be enough for you. I love the taste of coffee. So I don't have coffee necessarily to pump my energy levels. But what I would say to people is if they're a person that is reaching for coffee at two o'clock in the afternoon, you need to ask yourself, have you fed yourself a good lunch? Mm -hmm. Because you should be able to get energy from your lunch. Or have you gotten to bed early enough the night before? Because you shouldn't be using coffee as your crutch. You should be using coffee for enjoyment. So you need to be thinking about why you're reaching for that coffee. It's for enjoyment. I say go for it too before midday. Fine. Now, what I'll just extrapolate on that and also say to you, if you are a regular coffee drinker like me, I would like you to consider where your beans are coming from, right? So this takes it a, a little bit to a little bit down, a little bit of a rabbit hole, but I'll, I'll just explain. Coffee is a very heavily pesticide crop. 
And in here in Australia, we're mad coffee lovers, as you are in Brazil. And um, what we want to do is just make sure if we are having regular exposure to that, we're having the cleanest beans possible. So you know, this isn't an everyday thing for me that I have organic coffee, but when I can seek it out, because I know I have a coffee a day, I try to. So just put some level of awareness around that. So, so what we're talking about in terms of pesticides, pesticide, heavily, heavily pesticide crop, and we're looking at those pesticides in, in research in terms of what is going on with our neurological function. So, you know, all those, whenever I see a yellow flag or research happening around something, I always like to talk about it and say, hey, okay, let's, let's just be aware of that. Okay. So let's talk about my number one tip for everybody in this will, this will segue to carbs. I want you to be thinking about this. The best diet in the world is not the 5-2 diet. It's not the um, chicken soup diet. It's not the breatharian diet where you breathe your way to a hotter body. It's this. It's just this. Just eat real food, unpackaged and unprocessed as often as possible. Does it need to be organic? Well, that would be a super duper bonus if it could be. But even in my own family, I I don't buy organic everything. I want you to be thinking, eat real whole food, unpackaged and unprocessed as often as possible in a combination of three things. I want you to say to yourself when you're looking at your meal, where's your fat? Where's your protein? And where is your smart carb? Meaning your smart carb is your sweet potato, your brown rice, your quinoa, or your root vegetables. Why do we want those smart carbs? Because it is those smart carbs that feed and fuel this thinking brain of ours. Can people do well on a keto diet or a no-carb diet? And is there a time and a place for those people and those things? Yes, there is. But it is along, along the path of doing that in consultation with a nutritionist. And there's often a reason for it. Let's say a diabetes or a glucose metabolism issue or an insulin resistant issue, right? When you are wanting to show up as your best self and to be productive, energized, vibrant, communicative, all those types of things, I really want you to have some smart carbs on board. Amazing for fueling your adrenal glands and amazing for fueling your brain. Now, I would assume that many people on this podcast are women, and women are very, very good at burning our adrenal glands. And when our adrenal glands get burnt out from trying to to nourish everyone in the world except you, our adrenal glands love smart carb. So I want you not to fear the carb, but to, if you are making a big thing of roast vegetables or rice at night then perhaps not indulge overly in those smart carbs at night. Give them to your family because you're good at nourishing them, but keep the excess for you for the next day to have with some of your boiled eggs or to have with your salad. So always cook in abundance. That is a huge must because we're all time poor. So double your recipes. And usually your evening meal is usually your most well thought out meal. So double your recipe, 
But for you personally, as a woman who is middle-aged or let's say above 30, right? If you are watching your weight or concerned about your weight, just don't have too much carb at night, but use it during the day for fueling yourself. Now, notice I talk about the smart carbs, right? But let me just go backtrack again. When you are eating each meal, I want you to say, where's your protein? Where's your fat? Where's your smart card? When you start eating like this at breakfast, lunch, and dinner would be the same except for the smart card, all of a sudden you start to crowd out the desire to be snacking and the desire to have sugar. So for most people that go, Michelle, you don't get it. At three o'clock, I'm ready to chew my knuckles off. I'm going to bang into that vending machine. And I go, no, no, I do get it. I used to be that person until I started to eat a proper lunch. And when I started to eat a lunch that didn't look like bird food, that was just the salad, when I started to have a piece of chicken and some avocado with lots of vegetables or maybe a little bit of brown rice, all of a sudden at three o'clock in the afternoon, I was the one beetling around the office. I was the one feeling good. I was the one that was connecting to people or even having some like amazing strategic thoughts, right? And people are like, hey, Michelle, what kind of vitamins are you on these days? I'm like, it's not vitamins, it's food. And so that is one of the biggest mistakes that females make is they give themselves a bird-like lunch. So they are exhausted and they're going for sugar in the afternoon or coffee. And when people make this shift to start eating a proper breakfast and a proper lunch and maybe a little bit of a lighter dinner, right? So let's say they just have protein and they have lots of vegetables at night. All of a sudden they go, wow, wait a minute. I feel like I'm eating a lot of food, but wow, my energy is like going through the roof. Does that make sense? Well, it does. And I think it explains why I gained weight when I came to Australia 20 years ago, because in Brazil, lunch is a big deal. In many Latin countries, you take a long time to go through your lunch. And some people, you know, some countries have the siesta. And even at my house, my mother would do a little beauty snap right after lunch because it is quite a heavy meal in the sense that you have the rice, the beans, the meat and the salad. And that's what people eat for lunch. I came to Australia and nobody eat it. Nobody ate lunch in yeah. 2001 and 2002. I think now things are changing a little bit, but for a long time, lunch was really, really small. And I really struggled with that. I, I wasn't used to such a big breakfast. I still am not used. I think breakfasts are really like too many eggs and stuff like, I mean, you're French and Italian. Yeah. So I like that French breakfast, a little bit smaller than, than the well, Australian breakfast. And, and I, 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 when I'm talking about having protein, fat, and a smart carb, I'm not talking about a lot of food either, because when you start to eat those types of things, right, your brain, if it's working properly in a healthy body, what actually happens is you send signals to your brain called leptin and ghrelin. And they are neurotransmitters that turn on, wow, I'm satiated. So one boiled egg on a piece of good quality grain bread with some avocado will do a thinking brain or a middle-aged woman or a woman over 30 just fine, normally to lunchtime. 
Yeah. Um, I'm not saying you don't have to have morning tea and afternoon tea, and we can talk about snacking, but it doesn't have to be a lot. In fact, I don't want anybody to eat too much food because too much food is massively zapping on your energy. Mm. Anybody that's overeaten knows that boy, that will that will suck the life out of your thought processes and your energy. So, but when you're eating good quality fats, and I really encourage people to be eating avocado and olive oil and olives and and salmon and trout and those things that are really seeds and nuts. Um, because those types of things send that satiation message to your brain. And all of a sudden, when people start eating like that, they're like, hmm, I don't actually need that morning tea. Actually, yeah. I feel quite full. And oh, wow. So so lunch is going to be like a big salad with you know, a piece of chicken or a piece of fish and some avocado. And boom, wow, three o'clock, I'm still kind of you know, kind of jumping around and okay, four o'clock, I might have a handful of nuts and a really nice cup of tea. And so when I get home or when I leave my office desk and I'm showing up for my family, I'm not hangry. I'm not grumpy. I don't have low energy. I'm actually connecting to the people that are so important to me rather than showing up with zero in the tank. Yes, that's absolutely right. And and sometimes I call mom and dad and they're having dinner. I'm having breakfast here and I see their dinner and it's usually a soup and yeah. it could be a fish soup or a chicken soup. And it's light because I know they had a bigger lunch yeah. and they, they organize their life so that they can have a bit of a rest after lunch, <laughs> which is what many people in South America like to do. Just have a bit of a, a rest, which I think is very healthy, especially if you're used to having a bigger lunch. But I like that, that spread of the, your nutrition and your meals in that way. And I never felt comfortable with being in Australia and having such a bigger dinner. I was, I'm, you know, very glad that now I work from home and I can have, you know, a a better lunch than I used to when I worked in the office. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like a lot of people are feeling that way. And um, I'm hoping lots of people are getting the message that at dinner, you know, cook once, eat twice. So, you know, make make your meal, double the recipe, it saves you money and time. And then you have something for lunch the next day. Now, are you going to eat that every time? No. But when you start to do that, you go, wow, okay, I've saved time. I've saved shopping time and I also have saved money and I'm eating something really nice for lunch. So I think that's really important. Um, Would you mind if I just segue um, just for a quick second to sleep? Oh, yes, please. Right. Okay. So, so by eating a really heavy meal at night, that's not good for your digestion and good for your sleep either. Right. So um, it's not that I'm saying that I want people to eat a bird like dinner, but often if you are eating a proper breakfast and a proper lunch, your evening meal can be, can be lighter. So ideally that's really when I, when I wrote my book, eat, drink, and still shrink, I say, this, this is not a secret. This is an easy way to live and still enjoy a glass of you know, wine with your evening meal. But I really want to emphasize the importance of sleep to everybody on this, um, on this podcast, because as a nutritionist, I like to talk about the quadfecta. So I like to talk about nutrition, sleep, exercise, and your stress hacks. So those four principles if you look at people that have excellent well-being, and again, not talking about a number on a scale, I'm talking about bright, sparky, wonderful, kind-hearted people that have a big brain. They will protect all four of those things with their life. 
They protect their nutrition. They don't say to somebody when they're ordering a meal at a restaurant, I don't want those chips. I'd like some, you know, sweet potato mash. They say it quietly to the waiter or waitress. They don't say it in front of people. They guard their nutrition with their life. They don't say to people, oh, I'm I'm sorry, I just can't eat that because gluten bothers me. No, they do it quietly and humbly and they learn to navigate. So mark my words on this. With regard to sleep, they don't say to somebody, oh, I'm sorry, I need to get into bed early or I'm really protective of my sleep. Again, they do it quietly and they protect their sleep. So sleep. Um, So let me just go on to the next thing, exercise. They don't say to people, oh, I'm sorry, I can't do that podcast at that time because I'm going to a spin class. No, they protect all of these things because they know that's what makes them high performance people. So last year, well, just before COVID hit, I'm going to do a little hashtag bragging here. I was invited by Richard Branson to attend his leadership summit. I actually thought it was a joke. I thought somebody was joking with me. And at that, there were 20 leaders from around the world. There is no doubt in my mind that they protect those four things with their life. They don't tell people, they don't compromise. They know that's what gives them the leading edge. So let me bounce back to sleep. I would say sleep is probably the most important of all of those things, because when you sleep well, you tend to then the following day eat better make time for exercise. You then have the ability to stress hack more. So how do you get better sleep? One, move to a lower sugar life, right? So when you're eating the way that I just talked about, your sleep will improve just through that. The second thing, coffee before midday. Third thing, hydrate hydrate and hydrate. If you want good looking skin, people, you want to be drinking lots and lots of water. But for those of you on this podcast, share this with everybody. Stop hydrating after four o'clock in the afternoon. Really? Oh, yeah. I know, right? Okay. Why is so many people are waking up at 12 o'clock at night, one o'clock, to go to the toilet. And then while they're on the toilet, because they drank so much during the day, all of a sudden the monkey chatter starts and it's, oh my goodness, do I have a Zoom meeting tomorrow? Am I going to show up as my best self? What about that interview with that other person? How do I connect with that person? All of these things start happening. So whilst I want you to have an abundance of water, maybe with a bit of lemon and lime for vitamin C, because that underpins your collagen and your good, good skin, I want you to stop drinking an abundance of liquids after four. So people do that tiny little tweak and they go, wow, you're kidding me. All of a sudden I'm sleeping, you know, seven hours straight. So that's really, really important. And with sleep, you know, of course, there's supplementations that you can take and any of you can reach out to me, um, direct message me on Instagram and we can talk about supplements. But, you know, if you're not sleeping properly, then perhaps you'd have to look at a magnesium glycinate or a melatonin. But sleep is really, really worth prioritizing because it has a knock-on effect to all of your hormones as well as your insulin. People can get blood sugar dysfunction, even being amazing eaters just because of poor sleep. And let me take it one step further. So I'm Cure Cancer, one of Cure Cancer's ambassadors. I have a big speaking engagement tomorrow for Cure Cancer. If all of those things about sleep isn't enough to, to encourage you, 
Think about this. The Lancet, one of our largest medical journals last year came out with how people that have shift work and how shift working has been being called a carcinogenic activity. Why? Because those people that are doing shift work have broken sleep, poor sleep quality, month after month, week after week, year after year, leading to the knock-on effect and the biochemistry underneath that's creating all this inflammation and connections to, to cancer. That is an enormous finding. So remember, let's just go back to these things. Control what you can control. We can control what we eat, when we eat, and what we consume for liquids. So just, you know, picking up on some of these tiny tweaks. Oh, wow, Michelle, I had no idea about some of these things. And I consider myself, you know, somebody who's educated. So I think that there will be lots of great tips here for the listeners to take. And remember that your career is what's going to make your life complete and taking control of the career steps if you're in your 30s, 40s, and 50s is so important so that you can have the future that you want to have, the corporate experience that you want to have, or if you want to have a career change at whatever age you are, it can be done. And if you can have that backbone of well-being supporting it, it makes it so much easier to achieve those career plans as ambitious as they are. It's so much easier to do if you have your health and if you have, you know, the, the clarity of mind to make important decisions for your career. So this is why I wanted so much to have you on this podcast. And I know I've been stalking and insisting, but I'm so glad that it happened. Thank you so much. I know you're busy. Oh, I'm so pleased. And, and as I said um, earlier, please, um, there's a whole team of me. Um, we're all qualified nutritionists. Please reach out to me for any questions. We're great on social media. We're great. Anybody sending us an email, Michelle with one L at a healthy view.com. Our Instagram and our Facebook is a healthy view, like a healthy view on life. Um, and yeah, reach out to us for anything. There so in the episode show notes, sorry to interrupt, Michelle, but in the episode show notes, I want to add the link to your website, the link to your books and the link to your programs, because I know you have programs happening in, in the coming weeks and months. I think there's a the sugar one. What's it called again? Can you... It's called Low Sugar Lifestyle. And I'll actually send you a code for all the listeners to get 25% off. So we run it about every six weeks. Um, and the next one is coming up in, I think it's May 24th. But I'll send you a code for specifically for the people listening to this podcast. They can use Thank it at you. any time. Yeah. Thank you. That would be fantastic. That's such a great project to have because when you're looking for work, if you're in transition, you don't, you shouldn't be just job hunting all the time. And it's, you know, a nice side project to do, right? To keep yourself right. busy and not think about the job hunting and just do something good for yourself. Yes. Think about nourishing yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm so Thank happy you. that we finished on time because yeah. I know we have something else happening. <laughs> Yeah, excellent. Yes, I do. Again, I'm preparing for tomorrow for a big event, wow. which I'm super excited about, which is Cure Cancer. But thank you so much for having me on. I'm so glad you stalked me. Yeah, I'm I'm you live in Sydney. I, I go to Sydney from time to time. I'm about to go in a couple of weeks. I was 
I was booked to go and then there was a bit of a scare last week and I'm like, oh, maybe I should postpone it. So I postponed it for now, but I'm hoping to go, if not the end of this month, beginning of June and just for work meetings and yeah, stuff like that. Well, reach out to me for anything else. I'll send you that code through as well as links to everything. And that's just a win-win for all of us. And, you know, as, you know, as we started this conversation today, I love doing things like that. Like if if one person feels better about themselves, then I'm winning, right? Yes. Oh, thank you. I'm sure this will be a a great topic. And, you know, I usually get messages back and comments. So I'll let you know when I do. Right. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye now. Take care. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Thanks. Isn't she wonderful? Wow, I was so excited to speak to Michelle. We tried a few times and finally we were able to book a time that suited both of us. She's a very busy woman and I was so grateful and thankful for her to have the time to speak to you, to my audience here in the Job Hunting Podcast. If you don't want to miss other episodes, please subscribe and sign up for the newsletter. I will always send you the new episodes every week and I will send you a curated list of articles for you to read as well if you're job hunting or if you are planning and advancing your career. In the episode show notes, I just thought of this, I will add all of the other episodes that I've done about health, nutrition and well-being. So we have an episode with Susan Hunter, who is a naturopath. We have an episode with Ilana, who is a kinesiologist. We have an episode with a um, menopause specialist. It's a two-part episode with Fatima Khan. And I will link those in the episode show notes. So go there and you can learn even more about how all of these holistic and important strategies can help your job hunting and help you advance in your career. Bye for now.